With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Vegan diets or even marijuana-related issues. We don't just broadcast on the radio. We broadcast to the world. Online. On TV. On social. America. A massive march is underway in Washington, D.C. this afternoon with tens of thousands of protesters in the nation's capital. March with us. I love you all. And white coats for black lives. Among those gathering here at the White House, a group calling itself White Coats for Black Lives. They are local health care workers, including doctors, who've been very busy of late dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. It's difficult to deal with everything that's been going on here with systemic racism, but in addition dealing with the fact that majority of the patients that are passing away are those that are African American or have comorbid medical conditions. Thousands of demonstrators marched from rallies at the Lincoln Memorial and Capitol Hill, meeting basically halfway here on 16th Street. Bob Costantini, near the White House. Dozens of demonstrations have been held in Europe and Asia over the death of George Floyd. Protesters tried to gather in front of the U.S. Embassy in Paris in violation of COVID-19 restrictions. I'm Ann Cates. Joe Biden has won the last few delegates he needed to clinch the Democratic presidential nomination. Former Vice President Joe Biden has now reached the 1,191 delegates needed to win his party's nomination for president. Biden reached the threshold on Friday, three days after the results were finalized from seven states and the District of Columbia, who held primaries on Tuesday. The matchup against President Trump plays out against an unprecedented backdrop of a pandemic, economic collapse, and civil unrest. Carrie Shoemaker, Washington. Mourners have praised Annie Glenn as a persistent fighter for those with speech disorders, a source of support for her astronaut husband, and a hero in her own right. Glenn, the widow of John Glenn, the first American to orbit the Earth, died May 19th at age 100 of complications from COVID-19. I'm Ann Cates. This is Gary Garver. In these trying times, many people are depressed and lost because the future of our society is up in the air. People turn to drastic measures, including the abuse of drugs and alcohol. If you're going through these troubling times and turning to substance abuse because you're feeling there is no hope, we have a way for you to see the light. SAD, or Stop Abusing Drugs and Alcohol, is a nonprofit organization that will help you, at no cost to you, stop abusing drugs or alcohol. Founded by Tony Navarchi, SAD will refer you to the top detox doctors in your area. If you're having financial hardships, SAD will pay every and any cost for you, including doctor visits, counseling, and medications. 
save your life and contact Tony. You can reach out to him by calling him personally at 310-999-1887 or visit the website saddetox.com. That's S-A-D-D-E-T-O-X.com. Open for takeout and delivery, El Tapioc Mexican Food Restaurant in the Tri-City Center of Redlands is back. Their entire family is on hand to serve up their delicious burritos, machaca, chorizo, huevos rancheros, steak and eggs, just part of their mouth-watering great food. Since 1531, people have marveled at the miracle of El Tapioc, and now you can marvel at the great food the Lugo family has been serving up for over two decades. Nestled quietly in the corner of the Tri-City Center shopping mall next to Burlington Coat Factory. Support them. They can't wait to serve you some of their delectable, authentic, south-of-the-border Mexican fare at great prices, served up with love. Support the area's best-loved Mexican food restaurant in these tough times. Order up a tasty meal on the phone for delivery or takeout, for breakfast, lunch, or dinner from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Call 909-307-0017. That's 909-307-0017. Or Google El Tapiac Redlands and treat yourself. Men, it's time to stay sharp. Now or anytime is the time to stay sharp. Have a holiday or a special event coming up. Maybe you just want to look good for that special someone. If staying sharp is important to you, then look good with the all-new Stay Sharp Barber Shop in Redlands. Get a precision blade cut or barber trim from the master barbers at Stay Sharp. It's clean, convenient, and cool. Watch sports on one of the many big screen TVs. Kick back with an adult beverage and a warm towel afterwards. Tapers, crop tops, gentlemen's cuts, Fauxhawks, skin fades, comb-overs, hot towel shaves, and hair design. Gentlemen, treat yourself to the special service at Stay Sharp. Walk-ins are welcome. Stay Sharp Barbershop at the Tri-City Center, just off Interstate 10 and the 215 between Alabama and Tennessee on the south side of the freeway. Call 909-272-2931. That's 909-272-2931 and stay sharp. Looking for a new place to eat? Delicious food at a great value? The Tri-City Center in Redlands is proud to announce the grand opening of a fine new dining establishment. Terry's Diner, at the former location of the Spunky Steer in Redlands, is officially open for business daily from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. with delicious mouth-watering breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Treat yourself to Terry's tasty dessert menu, such as Terry's famous sundaes, banana splits, hot fudge cake, old-fashioned root beer floats, frosties, cake and pies too. You'll find weekly lunch and dinner specials all under $10 including Angus steaks, burgers, Greek salads, pasta seafoods with wine and beer. Terry's brings years of tasty temptations from DJs in San Bernardino and Altaloma. Join a new tradition in Redlands. Stop by at 1350 Industrial Park Avenue between Tennessee and Alabama in the Tri-City Center. Google Terry's Diner Redlands on Yelp or find them terrysdinerredlands.com Talk 102.3 FM Riverside KCAA NBC Radio News.com Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar Allahu 
Assalamu alaikum. Peace be on to you. You are listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. My name is Osama Safi, and I'm joined with my host, Armagan Dadala. Assalamu alaikum, Armagan. Wa alaikum salam, Osama, and dear listeners. The Voice of Islam Radio show was brought to you by the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community, the oldest organized Muslim community in the United States. The Ahmadiyya Muslim Community has been teaching the true teachings of Islam, which are love for all and hatred for none for the past 100 years here in the states join in on our conversation here in the studio live by dialing 1-888-909-1050 that's 1-888-909-1050 you can call us anytime during the show and of course if you want to reach us before during or after the show you can also email us at voice of islam radio show at gmail.com True teachings of love for all, hatred for none, Usama. It sounds like that's what we need right now more than ever. Very true, very true. Our nation is going through a difficult time, to say the least. And the Ahmadiyya Muslim community takes this situation very serious. And just recently, our community issued a press release about the killing of George Floyd that happened on Memorial Day. And in that statement, the MBA Muslim community states that our government bears a fundamental responsibility to ensure the safety and security of all citizens, while especially protecting the innocent and vulnerable. The trauma wrought by the senseless murders of black Americans necessitates an urgent national conversation led by faith leaders about race and justice to prevent further division and discord. For 100 years in America, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community has championed absolute justice for every American, regardless of race, ethnicity, culture, or creed. The community is recognized for highlighting Islam's anti-racist teachings and credited as providing the first multiracial model for Islam in America. As a community that has endured persecution in some parts of the Muslim world, it recognizes that only through absolute justice can the nation achieve everlasting peace. These bedrock Islamic principles of equality and justice stand in complete harmony with America's founding ideals. And in that statement, we have um, the national director for the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Amjad Mahmoud Khan, who's actually been a guest on our show, state that America's independence was forged on the premise that we cannot be deaf to the voice of justice. In his final sermon, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, declared that no race is superior to another since God made the lives, property, and honor of every human sacred. During this time of national crisis, we ask our government to live up to this timeless ideal. As always, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community supports nonviolent and peaceful efforts at reform through a respectful collaboration with government and law enforcement. And consistent with true Islamic teachings, the community urges our public officials to dispense justice for all communities, including African Americans, by working to end structures of racial discrimination against them. And you know, this statement, Armagan, really kind of encapsulates what the nation is feeling right now. And you know, you know. It really shows that this country is founded on on principles of equality. And even though, you know, there's that statement that America's original sin is slavery, that doesn't necessarily mean that America still can't reform and still can't overcome that original sin and be a better version of itself and, you know, create a system where racism is something of the past. As, As lofty as a goal as that seems to be, that's the only goal that really is, you know, acceptable at, 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 each person should be treated equally and there shouldn't be any type of 
uh, widespread discrimination between people just because of the color of their skin when we are all the same people. But we're all creatures of God. We're all, you know, creators of God. That's that's absolutely right. You know, we we've we've had a, uh, you know, f- for better or for worse, America. We've had a rich history of, uh, mm-hmm. of of our, you know, our moral standings on certain things. We've had um, uh, a war on drugs, a war on terror. You know, we've 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 as a nation made decisions and stood behind um, moral pitfalls, and we've we've put the arms of the government and society behind those those institutions. And I think. You know, America is stating loud and clear in in the abundant majority that we need now a war on prejudice and a war on racism. Uh, you know, it just simply cannot go on further without eradicating this from, um, you know, the the various verticals within not only the government but also within society. Um, and you know, to to help us really understand this and really kind of get a grasp because ultimately this is the voice of Islam radio show. We don't want to simply just report on the news or the voice of america but we want to really do bring in that voice of islam and so to join us in this conversation we have imam azam akram from seattle joining us on the show imam sab assalamu alaikum peace be on to you um, would you introduce yourself for the viewers that listeners that may not have uh, met you in previous episodes uh it, it it sounds a little faint if you can get closer to your headset perhaps It's still a little, I don't want to say it's muffled, but it just sounds like you're very far away. All right, can you hear, can you, can you hear me now? Much better. Better? better. Yes, it's yes, up. Go ahead. Much better. First of all, I just wanted to wish everybody um, blessings. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May the peace and blessings of our gracious Lord be upon all of us. Now, being so my name is Azam, uh, my last name is Akram, I'm a missionary for uh, the Ambiya Muslim community. I right now serve in the Seattle area, but uh, I have like the, what they call the Pacific Northwest region to cover. Um, so I just wanted to appreciate everybody for having this conversation, number one. And number two, I think it's a very, a very uh, important conversation to have, especially right now. So uh, with that being said, you know, I've been a missionary for the community since 2012, and I've been serving in different parts of the world. Um, I I moved to the United States in 2014, and I've had the fortune of being blessed to serve in the uh, kind of the underprivileged communities, beginning off with like Dayton, Ohio, um, and then Detroit, and then the south side of Chicago, and so you know this 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 means a lot that that at least we're having a conversation about this and um, trying to bring in the Islamic point of view. So that's that's what I'm really here for is also to be part of this dialogue to better understand and also use our our, our teachings, our proven teachings in terms of um, what the Quran has taught, what the Holy Prophet Sallallahu has taught. And what the community really has done to practically uh, combat this type of mentality, if you will. And so I just thank you for the opportunity. Well, we want to thank you for coming on and really having this dialogue. I mean, this is an important important thing to really be talking. And one of the things that I see 
you know, when we had this dialogue previously in our nation's history, right, when there was a civil war, it was pretty clear what we're doing. We're abolishing slavery. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And Martin Luther King Jr., you know, in, in the 60s had his civil rights speech. It was clear that we were fighting the Jim Crow laws and we we're fighting that reformation. And now we're kind of in a stage where, you know, we see ourselves as being a modern century where racism is eradicated. Yet we still see that disparate impact on, you know, black Americans and other people of color, but predominantly black Americans, where they're affected by um, the the impacts of racism. And so the conversation is really, what do we do? You know, I mean, do we do police reform? Is that kind of one step in that direction? And it definitely seems like one, but is it really going to solve the institutional issues of racism? And, you know, as Muslims, we're very blessed because as we have the Holy Quran, which we see as a perfect book and is a guidance for all of mankind. And in the Holy Quran, we learn about three different stages of human relations, right? We hear, we learn about Adl, which is an idea of absolute justice. We know about the uh, Isan, which is, you know, that's an Arabic word, to grant someone more than his or her due. And then we also know about the Ta'zil Qurba, which is to treat others with such grace and overwhelming benevolence as if one would treat one's kindred. Um, in terms of these three concepts, uh, missionary, uh, Akram, how do you see Islam, you know, in, w with the context of these three frames, as presenting a solution for this current situation that we're in? Yeah, I mean, it took us a while to get to this current situation. Um, and even prior to Islam, I'm sorry, I'm getting some feedback. Is that me? Or? Yeah, it also sounds a little muffled again on our side. Yeah, I'm using my phone directly now, but that's, it, that's fine. Um, what I was trying to get get at here is you've mentioned three... Well, I, I can't hear him on my end, so I'm not sure if uh, Missionary Ephraim is speaking. I am. Okay, can uh, well, I can hear you now. Okay. But I'm getting a lot of feedback now. <laughs> All right. Sorry. It's kind of kind of annoying to hear myself speak. Um, no, you, you, you hit about uh, Adil, Ehsan, and Waitaiz al Qurba. And all those three things go hand in hand. Adil is uh, not just justice, absolute justice, in the terms of the fact that even if you had to testify <coughs> against yourself or someone that you loved, you would do it with a level of objectivity, which, you know, it's really hard to do. But then, again, it was done by the, it was practiced by Rahmatul Lil Alameen. This is a title that was given to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, of being a mercy for all of mankind. And... So to draw lessons from how he exercised these things, we have to look at, you know, his practice and how he instituted these changes within his society, which was very much racist, very much prejudiced, very much sexist. And so for him to transform the entire of Arabia from the time of Jahaliya, that's what the word that's used for racist or ignorant people, 
Um, and, and to do it in such a way through his practical steps and reform as a leader, and to show through his own conduct that, hey, this is not just an ideal that we can sit around discussing, but this is something that can actually be put into practice, and you can see substantial changes. It just takes a matter of a generation. So uh, looking at the United States itself, uh, obviously we know that there's been um, this, this thing called racism, which has always existed in all of mankind. And even when you look at the Qur'an, you find out that the first sin that was committed was due to, uh, in a way, racist uh, tendencies, a racist ideology. You know, when the Qur'an records the example of Adam being created and all the angels to help him and to, to, to assist him, we have an individual who stands up in front of God and says, no, I'm not going to do it. Why should I be part of this process? I'm better. I've been created from fire, and that's Satan. And he's been created from clay. So I naturally am much more superior than than, than this other individual. So the, 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 the point to understand here is that racism or prejudice or anything that contravenes any law of uh, submission is, is contrary to Islam. And then at the end of the day, that's what these, the word Islam means. So the first approach is really fundamentally understanding who we are as humans, who we are as individuals. And then furthermore, we're told in the 49th chapter of the Holy Quran, Surah Al-Hujarat, which is a chapter that was revealed to the Holy Prophet after quite a while. And, and what I mean quite a while is that it took a period of 23 years for the entire Islamic law to be sent down. It was sent down in piecemeal. It wasn't sent overnight. And so the fact that you have this teaching in chapter 49, which tackles racism or, racist or uh, prejudiced tendencies in a society, it was laid down as a law for all Muslims to follow once there was an establishment of a society. And the law basically says in the 49th chapter that, Ya Ayyuhannah, O mankind. So this is, law is not just exclusive to Muslims or believers or, or, uh, or men or women. The word Anas is all of mankind. What does God say? He says, we have created you a male and a female. And we have made you into tribes. And then furthermore, we have divided you into sub-tribes. Why did God do that? He says, so that we may recognize one another. We may know one another. And then he goes on to say that it's not going to be the color of your skin. It's not going to be the way you talk. It's not going to be the language that you speak. It's not going to be where you're from. But he says, verily, the most honorable amongst you in the sight of Allah is who he, he who is most righteous amongst you. And then he completed by saying, surely Allah Ta'ala is all-knowing and all-aware. This is in chapter 49, verse 14. So from here we see that the first approach that's to be taken to counter these racist or prejudiced views is to understand this concept within ourselves. That why are there brown people? Why are there black people? Why are there white? Why are there different races or different sub-races as well? Because even sometimes we see prior to the world becoming this m large melting pot, 
even amongst Af- in Africa or in India or in these uh, nations, you have even people from the same class, from the same culture, adopting adopting prejudiced views against people who, amongst they themselves, thought were of a lower class of a lower race. Maybe not even amongst the same 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 race. So, in the next chapter, Allah Taala says, again, now specifically addressing the believers, says, "Ya ayyuhallazina amanu." Okay, the the the, the previous instructions were, were were for all of mankind, but here's an added instruction for you Muslims, or you believers. He says, "Let not one people deride another people." You don't need to look down upon them or ca- cause them any trouble or any needs because they might be better than you. Nor let one group of women deride another group of women. Happily, they may be better than they. And do not defame your people or call one another by nicknames. It is an evil thing to be called by a bad name after having believed. And those who repent not, such are the wrongdoers. So these are the two clear commandments in the Quran, specifically one for all of mankind, to understand why is it that we've been created differently, is to get to know each other, to get to meet each other, get to talk to each other, get to know what their culture is. And, and, and America, as, as beautiful as a country as it is, under those principles and ideals, has the potentiality to be one of the greatest nations in terms of uh, these things that we're trying to promote, which is equality and things like that. But unfortunately, well you know, the history has been such that the the environment has never really <coughs> been able to produce or promote such lasting ideals. And so it does come back to us as individuals that we all have to come on board and we all have to be united against this front. And that's the message of Islam, that if you want to achieve absolute justice, you have to do it at all costs, and even if it's other. Even if you got to testify against your own self to say, "All right, you know what? Maybe I need to do a better job." Mm-hmm. Very well said. Very well said. Remember, listeners, if you want you want to join us in the conversation, give us a call one eight 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 nine zero nine ten fifty one eight 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 nine zero nine ten fifty, or shoot us an email at Voice of Islam Radio Show at gmail dot com. Now, uh, missionary, I I really like the idea that you said. You know, God judges you not by the color of your skin but on your righteousness. But if, but if I'm, you know, a non-religious person living in America, how am I going to apply that to my own system, my own government system, in order to gauge how to treat people, right? I mean, how do we gauge righteousness on a societal level? How, do we, how, does, that, how does that make an impact for somebody that's listening to the show and says, okay, this is great from a religious standpoint, but what about society where I'm being treated differently? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I, it, this is a bigger discussion to be had, because when I say religion, I'm not just talking about organized religion here. Because the word religion in Islam is, uh, the word that's used is deen, you know, a path. So any path that you adopt or you uh, take becomes your religion. It becomes your deen for you. And at the end of the day, if you do take a really closer look at Islam, the very fact that Islam has told us, hey, Muslims, Believers, you know you have to believe in over 124,000 prophets. You have to believe in them as being true, being from God with that one message, that universal message. And so if uh, this, is, this is the teaching of Islam, is that universal approach, then we can understand that even, for example, Martin Luther King during the Civil Rights Movement, 
I mean, he just capped it off well where he says, um, you must be judged by the content of your character, right? So if we don't want to talk about virtue or righteousness or things like that, I mean, we could just use other terminology and other words that kind of refer to the same thing. So really, um, even if you're not religious, you're guided by a moral compass. You're guided by certain things which are innately, as we believe in Islam, very Islamic. Because Islam has also told us, you know, any word of wisdom is a lost property of a believer, right? So uh, we can find examples, even in our current society, replete, and just making that connection, these are very Islamic um, values and ideals. I mean, even if you look at and break down the Constitution, it's a very Islamic ideal. You know, it's, it aligns with everything that Islam wants to promote. And I like to... People are practicing Sharia law and they don't even realize it. <laughs> right. Well, not, not only them, them practicing Sharia law, for example, I'll give you an example. Um, the first modern state we can think of right now that was created for Muslims was Pakistan. Right, that was the whole basis of when India was leaving, or the British were leaving India. They wanted to have the solution to, you know, a Muslim state and how they could get that done. So they, they came up with Pakistan. And when the question was asked, you know, what Sharia does Pakistan themselves want to adopt? Guess what Sharia they chose? The British Constitution, right? That that was in line with an Islamic principle that they chose the British Constitution. And if you look at the American Constitution, it is drawn from that. You know, you look at the, uh, you, you, you look at the similarities. So this is where we have to, as Muslims and, and Americans, have to understand that we're following Sharia law without even knowing it. The principles of justice, the principles of uh, all men being created equal, is a very fundamental principle of Islam. And from the very get-go, you know, the Prophet suffered, suffered for this message. It was bad for business in Mecca at that time to promote this idea that, hey, the blacks and browns and whites and all the colors are equal in the sight of God. It was, it was abhorrent for the people to see, you know, these people who had prior been their slaves standing up side by side with the Prophet ﷺ in worship. It was abhorrent for them to see, you know, people who were at one point slaves now being leaders of great civilizations in their own right. In their own lifetime, they saw this. And it was only possible, it was only possible through the practical teachings of Islam that the Prophet ﷺ had employed during his time. Yeah, and you know, so it's it's very interesting that you mentioned that because I mean, even when one thinks about the basic core of Islam, I mean, Islam I I in its core, what does it command its 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 followers to do? And that is pray. Uh, Muslims, we pray five times a day, and when we do pray, we you know we're rewarded seventy-two times inf and infinite times more to pray in congregation. And when you think about congregation prayer, I mean, we're, we're literally commanded to stand shoulder to shoulder which, with our fellow brothers, uh, regardless of creed, color, uh, regardless of, of, of background, socioeconomic status. I mean, it's, it's all one line. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You'll, you'll see a billionaire standing next to a, a homeless man in prayer. And so, you know, in, in our very, you know, execution of our daily tasks as Muslims, we have this this humility and this great equalizing factor, which is our uh, daily prayer. But, uh, you know, I- I- Imam Akram, I, I want to ask, based on those examples that you've given and, you know, with the understanding that we do have of Islam, how can one, whether they're Muslim or not, how can one at an individual level practice absolute justice, this concept of absolute justice within a society, um, whereas, you know, as opposed to, you know, sitting back and just letting the uh, powers that be or the leaders of the land, um, you know, disseminate that justice? No, this is a great question. I mean, racism in general is a really hotly debated question, and and none more so ever than now, especially with catalysts and videos that we've seen come out. I mean, imagine if the power of the social media was not there or the power of these videos were not there. That's not to me to say that these injustices were not were not happening. They are happening. They will continue to exist. But the key thing now is what do we do? And Islam has given us a very clear outset and a very clear guideline. It says that if any one of you sees an injustice or knows of injustice that's being happening or being committed, we have to have a threefold reaction. Number one, we have to at least feel bad about it in our heart. That's at the very minimum. Our human nature demands that of us, that when we see an atrocity taking place, we have to feel bad about it in our heart. This is, these are the words of the Prophet And now, if you feel bad about it in your heart, and you have the option to take the next step, and God has given you an opportunity to voice yourself. And I think every one of us now in this day and age has this opportunity to voice ourselves, whether it's through uh, letter-writing campaigns, through uh, newspapers and other publications, or even just going on social media if you have that access. And instead of posting what you ate today or what you're wearing tomorrow, you could just make sure that you, you say that you're not going to stand for this. And what are you going to stand for? You're going to stand for justice. You become a fighter for justice in your own circles. Um, you become a leader amongst your own friends. You start to educate others. Advocacy is also very important. And then the third thing is if you have the opportunity, if you've spoken out against it, you've felt bad about it in your heart. Now, you have, if you could stop it with your hands, and if you can stop with your hands, then you must stop it with your hands, the injustice that's being committed. Now, being citizens of the United States, and being lawful citizens of the United States, Islam supports using all legal and uh, legal means that are afforded to us by our liberties in the Constitution to speak out, to, to make sure we do uh, a letter-writing campaign. We, as the Ambiamus com- community, stops shy, just shy of uh, advocating going and joining protests. And the reason we do that is that we're not saying that protests, legal protests, are are lawful to Islam, but what we're seeing right now, and what my experience has been when I was in Ferguson uh, during the protests in St. Louis, was that even if the protests are well-intentioned and are innocent and are peaceful, 
by and large, they are. And by and large, there's so many people who want and are frustrated to do something. And that's a very valuable approach to doing something. But what we're seeing right now is that, unfortunately, there are other forces that are beyond your control and my control who come and hijack those peaceful protests and then turn it into riots, as we're seeing, causing more damage and more property damage. And even yesterday, our head of the Amdiya Muslim community, our Imam, Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih, spoke about this issue and said, yes, there, there is value in protests, but then we're destroying the same communities that are being affected. You know, uh, we're burning down homes, we're, we're, we're looting and rioting, which, which is sending a negative impression on the cause and the suffering. And those people who already have an inherent bias, their, in bi- their biases are being reinforced. But you see, this is how these people are going to react and are, 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 are going to behave. So you ask, what are we supposed to do? There's a threefold process in our Islamic teaching. Um, number one, we definitely have to feel bad about it. It starts with prayer. Nothing in our faith has ever started with, all right, let's do this and then let's put it to pray. You talked about prayer, which I'm so happy that you mentioned. And that's where Islam really adds value to an individual. It's the functions of prayer, the functions of worship, all lead towards removing racist ideologies and tendencies, even within ourselves. For example, we're told to pray five times a day. And for men, we're supposed to be congregating in a mosque. You know, the Ambia Muslim community is in over 200-plus nations all over the world. You can walk into any country... And you can walk into any Amdiya Muslim community mosque and you'll see the plethora um, of diversity. We are under one imam. You know, that unity is there. Who's guiding us? And interestingly enough, I mean, I think we all know this here in America. Uh, when you look at the nation of Islam, you know, it's had a very tumultuous history. But it also has its roots and its origins with the missionary movement here in the Amdiya Muslim community over 100 years ago. But there was an amazing individual who came out of it by the name of Malcolm X. And Malcolm X was a disenfranchised youth amongst, uh, you know, in his youth and whatnot, had gone through so many different challenges. But then what did he, what did he say about the worship of Islam? We have five daily prayers. We have the zakat. The zakat is there to help us take care of others and not feel that we're helping, we're doing a favor on someone, but it's our do right, that if we're hoarding wealth, it has to be divided up amongst those who are less fortunate. Money is a tool, and a tool can only serve its purpose if it's being used. And, and if we're just hoarding up wealth or not paying our taxes or the rich are getting away with certain things, that's also an injustice that breeds these types of uh, feelings. So zakat is there. Fasting. We're all supposed to fast during the 30 days of the month of Ramadan at the very minimum so that we can experience the pain and the hunger and the suffering and the plight of those who are less fortunate than us. It develops a, a level of empathy, and your EQ goes through the roof, your emotional quotient with these, with these practices. But fundamentally speaking, Malcolm X went and he did the Hajj. Prior to that, he was calling the white man the devil. And when he went and he did the Hajj, he, these are his words in a letter from Mecca after, when, after he did the Hajj. He says, America needs to understand Islam, period. Because this is the one religion that erases from its society the race problem. During the past 11 days here in the Muslim world, 
I have eaten from the same plate, drunk from the same glass, and slept on the same rug while praying to the same God with fellow Muslims, whose eyes were the bluest of blue, whose hair was the blondest of blonde, and whose skin was the whitest of white. And in the words and, and in the end deeds of the white Muslims, I felt the same sincerity that I feel amongst black Muslims of Nigeria, Sudan, and Ghana. I mean, these are the practical steps that Islam has put as protocols. If we're practicing our faith right, if we're doing everything right, that will systematically remove the rust of prejudice and biases that usually build up over time. I mean, no child is born a racist. But then, over time, our environment, the way we talk, what perceptions we build up, the content that we consume in terms of media and things like that, have an effect on the way we uh, formulate our opinion. And Islam says, I'm going to put these things in your way so that when you're praying five times a day and at the masjid, when you're fasting during the month of Ramadan, when you're paying the zakat, and finally when you go do the hajj, you can turn out to be the next Malcolm X. Right? Yeah, and, and you know, I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned that. Uh, you know, especially one of the first things that you had mentioned, Imam Akram, was that you know you need to have that eq that feeling of of empathy when you see an injustice happening in your heart and the one yeah. thing that i want to you know for me you mentioning that was very poignant because we've had episodes in the past of why do you have to be why would you need to be religious versus being good and so the one kind of uh, compliment to this or complimentary point that i want to add to this is you know as Muslims, this is speaking specifically to folks that are God-fearing, that believe in a creator, um, whether that's, you know, Allah for Muslims or another creator for other religions. This ideal of empathy isn't simply, you know, I feel good or bad for my fellow man, but it's also a fear of your creator. Because even if you have this empathy and you feel bad internally in your heart and then you walk away just feeling bad, that's not good enough. Um, if you see an injustice happening... Islam would command you, you have to go and intervene if you can, and whatever means that you can intervene. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, for Muslims at least, on the day of judgment, you are going to have to stand before your creator. And one of the questions your creator is going to ask you is, hey, you witnessed this injustice happening to this other person of other skin, and you did nothing. Why did you do nothing? Yeah. So that passive existence that that Muslim or that person may have had at that time of just witnessing the injustice and feeling bad but walking away that passive action in and of itself now becomes an overt inaction, over, uh, you know, inaction to this, to this injustice. And so I think we have to maintain that in our hearts that you have to, you, you know, act on, on your feelings and this, this fear of God. The other thing, though, I want to ask uh, Imam Akram is now, now we see the other side as well. You know, we've seen a lot of posts on social media uh, of a specific uh, frame of thought um, there's been a lot a lot of posts where you know it, there will be this long post and the end of the post will say if you don't agree with this you're a racist or if you uh, don't repost this you yourself are a racist and you know I, I see that and I, I see that as kind of a closing of dialogue which I feel at this time especially in this moment in our history we need dialogue more than ever we can't close those doors so what what's Islam's answer to this? I mean, is it right to close the dialogue, or how do we maintain that? 
Yeah, and I think this is a really good point because one of the things that we quote in in terms of our dialogue is Kulu Kolan Sadid. It doesn't say uh, anything else but to say the straightforward word all the time. And once we close the door of dialogue on ourselves, just like any relationship, it's the end of that relationship right there. I mean, a husband and wife could be living as a husband and wife, but I always I always encourage, like, even if you're having a fight between your, your spouses, and, and I'm just talking about, just make sure you keep those uh, the, the opportunity of dialogue open. Because once you close that avenue, dialogue is the greatest thing that has been given to us by our Creator. The... The, 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 the great thing that makes us different from, from animals, um, apart from other things, conscious and things like that, is the ability to talk, is the ability to share ideas. It's the ability to present our own viewpoint and come to a common ground. This has always been the Islamic approach. This has always been the way the Prophet has, has, has uh, spoken to people. I mean, it's interesting because when we read about the life of the Holy Prophet well, you read that he gave everyone equal time. He and and, and for example, rules of communication. Uh, there's an entire chapter, Surah Abasa, that talks about in the very beginning when we have dialogue. What should our presence be? It says that we should face the person directly. We should listen to them. We should appreciate their point of view. We should be quiet when they're speaking. All these things are there to promote dialogue and discourse. But the greatest thing the Quran tells us is, Allah says, that those who come to the table of dialogue with their preconceived notions, they set a seal upon their own hearts, they set a seal upon their own ears, and they set a seal upon their own eyes. So this is something that would be very, the height of injustice. It would not be other, as we're speaking about in the very beginning, that to kind of trust your viewpoint on somebody else and to kind of make an open statement as though your opinions are facts and then follow it up by asking somebody to promote it, number one, or, or saying that this is the end all and be all. If you don't agree with this, you're a racist. That is a very immature argument, number one. And number two, that actually closes, and you're right, it closes the door on, on coming together on a common ground, common platform, which the Quran tells us to do. So dialogue, absolutely. Keep, keep it open. Oh, go ahead. Man, I just wanted to get around to a long answer to, to remind us all that although as, as hard as it may be to listen to the other side sometimes, we, we owe it to ourselves. We owe it to ourselves for the level of adal that is required of us. And then ahsan, which is actually giving more than what's required. And then wa'itaizil kurba treating everyone as though they are our brother, our sister, our family member. So those are like all these ideals that really promote um, the equity and justice. That is not, it's, it's not just theoretical, it's very practical if it's done in the right way with those right steps. But the, the key is that it's really hard work, right? At the end of the day, it requires a lot of effort. It requires me to take time out to expose myself, to get uncomfortable. And why would I do that? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm living a comfortable life in America. You know, I got a nice job, nine to five. But all these people, and like, that's, that's the attitude that we have to start to develop. That, that empathetic approach requires you to sacrifice 
yourself. It, it, it requires you not to be selfish in your own pursuit sometimes. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, one of the first hurdles we face in even getting to the concept of other, the very, you know, base concept of absolute justice that we're talking about here, before getting into Isan and granting someone more than they're due, is that we often live with this, you know, this budzini, this idea that when we think of somebody, we're always thinking about them in a negative way. We never kind of give people the, the benefit of the doubt. I think if we were all to analyze our thoughts, sometimes when we see somebody do something, we kind of just naturally jump to a conclusion they're doing something that's wrong. And I think yeah. that's definitely amplified by stereotypes and by racial stereotypes that have particularly affected um, uh, black Americans. And so I guess the question is, how do we get out of that? How do we get out of this trap where we stop thinking negative about other people around us, even if it's just subconscious, even if it's just kind of, you know, I, I mean, how do we get out of that? When I, when I think about it for myself, I think about it from the fact that we really have to recognize that, you know, our ego is nothing. As Muslims, we put our heads on the ground and we sacrifice our ego for the sake of God. And we were talking about Malcolm X and, you know, Malcolm X talks about that one of the first few times he did prostration he had a hard time bending his knees because this was a very proud man right this was a, pan, a man a man that really yes, um was, was trying to gain a lot of you know pride in his in his uh, in the color of his skin and really make others proud of it too but when he became muslim he realized that you know uh, being muslim means submitting yourself to the will of god and realizing that there's a greater power than you and i remember reading that you know when he first was doing that prostration it was very difficult for him to actually literally bow down and literally say that you know allah Akbar, god is the greatest and i am in this lowly position willing to to put my neck out willing to put my head on the ground for you oh lord um so i think i might have just answered my own question <laughs> but no you did, I, you I, did but I, I i think it's a great way that you went full circle with this because it all comes down to myself just as it all came down to malcolm x right he had to he had to take the knee first right and so for him to take the knee that's how he opened up this whole another dimension to his life that allowed him to sustain or escape that that the cage that he had put himself in and then this is the thing that i wanted to say i i, I listened to barack obama's uh, um speech uh he did on zoom uh yesterday i believe and he was talking about leadership and I, I, he hit the nail on the head, and this is the exact Islamic approach. Islam says that those people who are suspicious themselves, or those people who have inherent biases that are prejudiced, have a great disease within their own heart. It's, it's, it is a disease. It's like cancer that takes root, you know, and the more we feed that cancer, you know, when we eat, cancer gets first dibs as to what resources it's going to take, and that's how it grows, this tumor. So, if you remove that cancer, which is within you, within me, that's the only way I can go about, and, and to remove that cancer, it's going to require chemotherapy. It's going to be draining. It's going to be exhausting. It's going to be an expensive process. But it has to be done methodically. It has to be done right. And, you know, I wanted to bring in the, the founder of the Amnia Muslim community. And he talks about how suspicion is against, actually the Quran says it, that suspicion is the root of most evil. And having suspicion, in, in Arabic it's called badzan, uh, badzani, if you will. That having zan, conjecture, bad means negative, negative thoughts about another person. 
Instead, what the Prophet ﷺ had emphasized was, have husnezan. Think, give everybody else the benefit of the doubt. And the promised Messiah, the founder of the Yamiya Muslim community, actually quotes the example of Jesus Christ as, if you want to experience how one should be when judging others, or how one should think of others, he quotes the example of Jesus Christ. You know, there's an example of Jesus Christ that one time he had seen a thief right in front of his eyes steal something. You know, just to steal something right in front of his eyes. And Jesus Christ approaches him, alayhi salam, peace be upon him, approaches this gentleman who, who's a thief, by all accounts, his own personal eyewitness, and he says, why did you steal? And the thief replies, I didn't steal. You know, what are you talking about? And Jesus Christ, the prophet of God, says, all right, my eyes must have been deceived me. I mean, if you think about just that interaction, that statement, for him to see this, and then for him to also reply, yo, I saw you steal with my own eyes, but maybe my eyes have must, must have deceived me. Now, that is the greatest form of husnizan that the Promised Messiah, the founder of the Amgir Muslim community, expected of his members of the community, and by and large, for us to use that teaching and express it to the world. So, if we're practicing this ourselves within our community, and our friends see it, our wives see it, our neighbors see it, and then we can slowly employ this method amongst the rest of Americans, can you imagine um, just the attitudes that may change and may shift? That we're willing to take somebody else's word for it, but now they've got to back it up with their deed, you know? The other thing I want to mention to you is that I'm not, I'm not saying that we, we, we promote this ideal of just overlooking faults, but what I'm trying to say here is that on certain matters, if we even begin to employ that mindset of not being quick to judge or not developing these preconceived notions of others, it could lead to so many amazing, amazing results. Very well said, Imam Akram. And, you know, to, to, that, to that end, as you were mentioning that, something had popped in my mind, which actually prior to the show we were just discussing and talking about, and it was actually a question and answer um, from the fourth Khalifa of uh, Islam Ahmad, the, uh, His Holiness Mirza Tahir Ahmad. And the question was asked to him with regards to society uh, of, of forgiveness and, and moving on. And one of the points that the fourth Khalifa of Islam Ahmadiyyat had made was, yes, forgiveness and moving on is great, but it can only take effect uh, after there's true repentance. You you can't have forgiveness without true repentance. And so I, I think, you know, the core message for us here is, I think as a society, we, we need to ensure that first the changes that need to be made are made within the heart. Once those changes are made within the heart, for all ills, not just for this specific subject, but other, you know, social and moral um, difficulties that we're having. Once those changes are made within the heart, then we can truly move on and forgive and 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 build upon the foundation that we're, um, you know, walking on right now and trying to secure. Absolutely. So. So. Missionary Akram, I wanted to, you know, we have a couple minutes left. The world is still in a very confused place. What would be your message to our listeners 
is right now and how to deal with the current situation. To be honest, you know, it's, 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 it's the easiest solution and it's the hardest solution as well. I honestly, truly believe that now is the time to understand that everything that we've ever thought of ourselves as, as human beings, as how intelligent we are, how capable we are, how resourceful we are, yet we're in 2020 now. And I, I, you know, 2020 was supposed to be begin off with those all of those amazing resolutions and whatnot. But it feels like we've lived 10 lives in just these few short months already. So my, my, my thing really is to understand now that, folks, um, we need to do a, a self-assessment, a reality check of, of not just, in, don't look at others. Let, let me look at Azam awesome right now, my life. You know, with, with, with all that we know, with all that chaos that's going on, with the coronavirus, with all the, the, the corruption, the, the, all these things, the injustices that are taking place, where do I stand and how do I be, how do I add value to society? I need to be, uh, the way I'll add value is I need to recognize myself first. I need to know what my strengths are and what my weaknesses are. And honestly, we cannot do that without taking an introspective look within ourselves and, and our, our homes. And we can't do that without connecting with our creator. So just as Malcolm X had to take that knee, we also need to turn back to the basics. We need to tune in into ourselves. We need to reestablish that connection with the divine. We need to recognize and understand that, yes, God, uh, yes, human beings by themselves are very resourceful. But the fact is that despite the technology, despite the modern conveniences, morality and principles and uh, principles of justice are being just um, smothered and, and thrown down the chute with, without any regard for the sanctity of, of who we are as hu humanity. So, number one, I feel that we need to connect back with our Creator. If you're a Muslim, you need to connect back with Allah. If you're a Christian, you need to uh, develop that, uh, that the truly righteous Christian values and those teachings of forgiveness, of love. Because I don't see anywhere when I read the New Testament for Jesus Christ to be promoting, you know, some of the messaging that we see from some, some uh, Christian groups, just as we see some un-Islamic practices among some Muslim groups. So I fundamentally believe that if we all go back to what our roots are, what our values are, and not just take somebody else's word for it, but educate ourselves as to what, what is Christianity all about, what is Judaism all about, or even if you're not a believer in God, that's fine you still read and recognize that there's value in understanding that there's something greater than us out there. And putting not just the trust in ourselves, but something greater than us is really important. Um, prior to coming to here in the United States, I mean, I was born in Ghana, which is West Africa. And I'll tell you, growing up as a child in, in the villages, we didn't have mirrors. So for the longest time, like that movie, I don't know what they call it. I think it's called, um, it's by Rudyard Kipling. It's called, do you remember the name? The boy in a, Mowgli. Uh, Jungle Book? Jungle Book, Jungle Book, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just like how Mowgli grows up in a, a, a pack of wolves and adopts their features and gives those characteristics. I remember when I, when I was growing up, you know, we were growing up there, it was very primitive times. But I never really saw myself as anything other than being 
African or, or black myself. But then when other people would see you, they'd remind you of who you are, right? And so it's also something that I needed to do at that point was take a, a really important look when I came to the West in the mirror to see who I am, where do I fit in, and so on and so forth. So these things are going to continue to happen, um, but the fact of the matter is that we must do that self-assessment. We have to connect with our creator. We have to learn. We have to read. We have to do a lot of... Uh, uh, we have to put a lot of effort on ourselves first before we can go out as a whole and try to um, remedy a lot of these injustices that are taking place. We can start off with those that are near and dear to us. Sometimes our parents might not understand the, the, the full capacity or the full uh, nature of the issues that are arising here. Most of our parents, if we're from the Pakistani or Indian subcontinent, mm -hmm. came out here just to earn some good money and not really involve themselves in the civic process. Right. So maybe it, it, it becomes our job to uh, educate them, right? Hence, educating ourselves. I get a lot of calls sometimes from youth from our community that say, well, my father or mother just doesn't understand. They've made a comment or they've made a statement that, you know. So again, just being honest about that and admitting our flaws as well, that comes from that introspective approach. Um, I think yeah. it's very key, very important. First step. Absolutely. Imam Akram, we thank you so, so much for, for not only coming on the show, but, you know, really spending the time to um, educate us, enlighten us, and, and, and have this dialogue with us. And, um, you know, we wish you peace, and uh, hopefully you, you know, you, you have a great rest of your Saturday. I appreciate the time. Thank you very much for listening to me, and we will continue to pray, as Hazur has told us, for America and the world. Inshallah. Thank you. Salam alaikum, Imam Akram. Thank you. So, you know, Until as, next time. as we come to the end of the show, we, we wish our viewers peace. We'll see you next week, same time on the same station. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be on to you. <laughs>